Hello, this is Bad Vibes. Today's video is on those paranormal stories. Joining me today are Goodnight Goosebumps and Zach Baby TV. Their links will be in the description. Please sub to them if you enjoy their narrations and sit back, relax, and enjoy. This morning, I was in my bathroom. The window overlooks my backyard and I had the window open. I kept hearing someone outside call my dog's name. They kept saying, Mountie, calling out as if to get him to go inside. When I listened closer, the voice sounded exactly like mine. Same tone, same deepness. It sounded as if it was coming from my own backyard or perhaps a neighboring yard. I looked outside and saw nothing. No movement, no person, no dogs. I got a chill and after a minute the calling stopped. I figured maybe it was my mother although the voice sounded identical to mine. When something scary happens, you try to rationalize it, you know? So I made my way downstairs and passed my mother's room, where she was still getting ready for the day. I asked her if she had left the dogs outside. She told me that she hadn't been downstairs yet. When I went downstairs, Monty and my sister's dog, Ruby, were both laying on the sofa, exactly where I had left them when I went up to use the bathroom. I know it sounds insane, I do. But I also know what I heard. I heard my own voice calling out to my dog as if to try to get him inside, which is a regular occurrence. I don't know if this is paranormal or a glitch in the matrix or something else, but I'm still rattled about it. Today I went to show a home that was built in 1903. It was in a mill community that was very run down and in poor condition. I took the clients and we looked around. I didn't feel any strange feelings throughout the house until I got to the door that led to the upstairs. First of all, the door had a bolt on the outside as if you were locking someone inside. Strange I thought, but I've seen stranger. I go to touch the door and this wave of nausea and sheer terror comes over me, unlike anything I've ever felt before. I take my hand off the doorknob and wrap up the showing. Wanting nothing more than to get the heck out of there. When I got back into my car, I googled the address, and sure enough, the previous owner died in the house. However, I can't imagine the old lady feeling evil and dark like this felt. I think it was something else. Moxie was about 14 years old. She was a pit mix. Sweet dog with lots of personality. On New Year's Eve 2020, she suffered a vestibular disease, which is sudden and non-progressive disturbance of balance. It's most common in old dogs. This happened while I was walking her and the other dog, Kuma, together. We were about a half block from the house when this happened. After the diagnosis on the 1st and on the 6th of January, her health deteriorated, lost about 20 pounds, and refused to relieve herself outside, even with the comfortable sling I had gotten for her to ease her walking and to ease my back. She died on February 1st, around 9am, sadness all around. A week later, on the 8th, we were in the kitchen making dinner when suddenly, her distinct bark of happiness was heard down the hallway from our bedroom. One loud bark. This is something that she would do on a regular basis to get our attention so that we could help her get on the bed. We both stopped what we were doing and stared at each other. 
The other dog looked down the hallway also. I said, that was Moxie. Yeah, it was. She must have been saying hello from the afterlife. We both, along with Kuma, curiously walked to the bedroom, turned on the light, and there was nothing out of the ordinary. Just the notion that she barked at us from the afterlife. Backstory time. My grandfather was a horrible man, and he was dying of cancer. Basically, my grandfather abused his four little girls and ended up doing serious time in prison because of it. He got out early because of his cancer. My sweet grandma, despite all he had put her through, still took him in. The rest of the family were very supportive of him during his final days because he was family and they are very kind-hearted people. My grandfather died shortly after in hospice care and spoke his last words to me. Because I was six at the time, I had not yet learned of my grandfather's sins. I really looked up to him at this time, and all my cousins still tell me I was his favorite. After he passes, all the families went to their homes. Mind you, none of them lived in the same cities. I will never forget that night. We had all gotten home and were very sad. I went into my room and shut the door. I heard a faint knock on my window. I peeked through the blinds and I saw the Grim Reaper holding my grandfather's spirit by the back of the collar. I couldn't actually see my grandfather's physical form, but I just knew that's how he was being held. The Reaper looked exactly how you would imagine. His dark hood covered his face, leaving nothing but the glare of his dark reflective eyes peering out into my room. I also saw his Reaper hook, which looped over my grandfather's spirit. Mind you, I only looked out the window for maybe three seconds before screaming. The moment I screamed, all the lights in my house flickered. I left my room and my sisters and parents met me in the hall. My mom's phone immediately started blowing up and her siblings asked if the lights in her house had just flickered too. Apparently, all six of my aunt and uncles had their lights flicker in their houses at the moment I screamed. None of them had a physical experience like mine though. I told my dad that my grandpa and a bad man were outside my window. He frantically searched outside but saw no trace of anyone standing outside. I think about this experience a lot, especially after having a similar encounter after trying to communicate with my grandpa via a Ouija board. That was before I found out what kind of person he really was, but that's a whole different story. I believe I was visited for a few different reasons. I've always been in tune with otherworldly beings. My grandpa's last words were to me. I was his favorite because I was six years old. Apparently, that was the age that he would molest his girls. I believe the Reaper visited me to teach my grandfather a lesson, to show him one last reason of why he was going where he needed to go. I do wonder why he wanted me to see them though. Obviously, that was a pretty traumatic experience to leave a six-year-old with. If anyone else has seen the Grim Reaper, please share. All my friends look at me like I'm crazy when I share this with them. When I was a child, my grandparents picked me up almost every day after kindergarten because my parents were both at work. I would always sit in the back seat on the right side. This particular day, I asked them if I could sit on the other side. My grandpa was annoyed and just told me to use my usual spot. 
and somehow I insisted and my grandma finally gave in. On the way home, another car crashed into the right side of our car. Nothing happened to any of us. The police told my grandpa that we were lucky that no one was sitting on that right side in the back seat because most likely that person sitting there would have been badly injured or worse. My grandparents were stunned. Not only did I avoid getting hit by a car, but I also acted out of character. I'm usually an unproblematic child and arguing with them about switching seats wasn't something they expected from me. On our days off right after high school, my cousin and I would routinely drive my parents' golf cart around the neighborhood and behind it because it was abandoned and completely overgrown. We knew all the abandoned construction trails through the forest where they met back up to the roads that were completely unbothered by any suburban houses. It was broad daylight, probably around 2 or 3 p.m., and we had parked the golf cart coming off of a trail toward the concrete roads into the back part of the neighborhood. The grass on the unused lots was covered in weeds and grass that was probably five or six feet off the ground. We took out a pipe and take a few hits. All is peaceful. The birds are singing. The air is clear. My cousin takes another hit and passes it to me. I start to light the bowl, but before I can take another hit, I hear my cousin say my name twice, very seriously. I panic and think the cops have just pulled up or something. I look at him, and he's staring straight ahead, shocked, and just says in a low voice, Yo, what the fuck is that? I look up and down the road, and I see it. It's a little man peering out from the grass on the left side of the road, about 20 feet away. It looks like a naked humanoid, completely covered in mud, and crouched down as low as a purse can go, while still being mobile. It's not human, but it's human-shaped. With both of us staring at this creature, he backs up slightly, and then, it still disturbs me to remember this, runs faster than humanly possible across the concrete road and into the grass on the other side. It was like a human moving as fast as an insect does when it panics. Imagine crouching down as far as you can without falling over and then sprinting. This thing appeared to do just that. No words were needed. I disengaged the parking brake and gas it. We drive all the way to the front of the neighborhood to the community center area, probably a mile away, and decide we should probably just go home. Lots of frustrated, what the fuck was that, followed, because there was no rational explanation at all. We still talk about that story all the time. Funny enough, about a year ago, my parents moved to a bigger house, about a hundred feet from where this happened once the neighborhood started building back there again. At the time, I was working for Animal Planet as a camera operator on their show, Lost Tapes. We were filming in the Pine Barrens for the Jersey Devil episode. There had been a lot of set vandalism, so I had started camping at the set every night to see if I could catch whoever or whatever was doing it. 
It had been doing it all week, but I had never been able to catch anything. Usually, I would hear weird sounds and stuff being broken, jump up and scramble for the trailer door, only to find the vandal already gone. By the seventh night, the crew and I were fed up, as there was now several thousand dollars worth of damage. One of the lifts suggested staking out around set, so we would have a better chance of success. Come that night, I, along with both lifts, the producer, our audio guy, and a makeup artist, were staggered around the set, waiting. I was in the rundown house, behind the busted wall, a small, handheld camera in my hand, so I could at least get a picture of the vandal if nobody caught them. Around 2.40am, I started hearing stuff on the roof, and began creeping out of my hiding spot. My plan was to climb the broken wall, stick my camera and head through a hole in the ceiling we had made for a lighting and effect, and take a picture. Then, climb onto the roof to either grab them or scare them towards one of the lifts who was hiding next to the house. I had just gotten my head through and was raising the camera when I saw it. And it saw me. I didn't even get the chance to scream before it was on me. It bit into my shoulder and I slipped. We both went falling down into the house, where it landed on top of me. The jolt from the fall forced it to let go of my shoulder, but in doing so, it only got angrier. It took a swing at me with its claws, and I rolled to the side, getting my right side slashed. By now, everyone heard the commotion and came running. Our audio guy had the foresight to bring a small handgun, and he drew it. It didn't notice, as it was too focused on me, who by now was beginning to black out from blood loss. From what I was told by a lift, our audio guy shot it twice in a wing, and it got the message, but still wanted a piece of me. It took me in his claws and tried taking off through the roof hole, but couldn't fit, so it dropped me. I fell the ten feet to the floor, while the audio guy kept firing until he couldn't see it anymore. Nobody wanted to wait for an ambulance, afraid that it might come back. So, a lift slung me over his back, and everyone took off running. They guessed it was still pretty pissed as it followed them, dive-bombing both the group and the car as everyone fled. It only stopped when they finally reached the boundaries of the Barrens. I woke up in the hospital a few hours later. By now, the forest patrol, police, news reporters, journalists, and a network exec had gathered. Nobody knew what to tell anyone. We all doubted that anyone would believe it if we all cried Jersey Devil, so we just said it was a bear and kept it at that. I came away with a broken neck, three bruised and cracked ribs, two lacerations on my side, a series of puncture wounds on my shoulder, and a shit ton of PTSD. The onset shoot was cancelled, and we ended up just running a campsite in California to film. None of us really talk about it. I think I'm the only one who feels comfortable telling people. We still work for Animal Planet on and off, but tend to avoid the big Lost Tapes poster in the producer's office. I know it seems hard to believe, but it happened. And I still have the scar.
I have made other posts about some of my paranormal experiences, but this is the most frightening thing that I've ever seen. And this happened when I was about seven. The year would have been around 2003. We lived in an apartment at the time, and I was asleep in my room. I woke up and walked into the hallway to go downstairs, but I stopped because I saw my parents and little sister sitting in my parents' room on their bed. The way their room was set up, the foot of the bed was in front of their doorway, so I was facing them. They were all sitting straight up against the headboard, with their legs out on the bed. And when they saw me, they didn't speak, but they started frantically waving at me to come in the room, like they were really excited. They had these huge smiles. I started to run into the room to see what was going on, and why they were so excited. But as soon as I hit the doorway, I felt this overwhelming dread. And that was the first time in my life that I experienced that kind of fear. I stood in the doorway watching them, too horrified to move. They stopped waving, and their smiles kept getting bigger and bigger and started to look very exaggerated and unnatural. Their eyes turned solid black, like holes in their faces. Then they started getting up. Without changing their expressions or turning their faces away from me, the dad doppelganger stood up from the bed and started to walk towards me while the sister and mom doppelgangers leaned forward and started to crawl down the bed. Their movements looked almost mechanical. It was very inhuman. I watched until the dad had made it around to the foot of the bed and the mom and sister were starting to step onto the floor. Then, I ran out of the room and downstairs. My mom and sister were in the living room, but my dad wasn't even home. I told my mom what I saw, and she said it was just a dream. I was so afraid. I just tried to forget about it, but I've never been able to. I'm pretty positive it wasn't a dream, because I can remember waking up, getting out of bed, and leaving my room before seeing it. I've had other experiences, but this is the only thing that's ever felt absolutely evil. As an adult, I occasionally have sleep paralysis and even dream loops that can get pretty scary. But I wasn't a kid who had a lot of nightmares, and that's the only time I can recall ever acting like that over something. I asked my mom about it a while back, and she said she remembered me crying over it and being really upset and insisting it wasn't a dream. I'm not sure if these things would be considered doppelgangers or some sort of mimic energy, and I have no idea why they were there or why I saw them. I see the same man in my nightmares. The nightmare always begins the same. I am sitting at my desk, I do not remember sitting down. It does not matter, I suppose. The curtains are open, but the world is dark. The sky is black. There are no stars. There is no moon. No street lamps. I turn my head to face back into my room. To do so feels like moving through water. The screen of my computer shows me a forum that I do not recognize. 
A part of me feels like I am breaking some kind of rule by simply being there, simply looking at the screen. The words of the posts are in English, but they do not form complete sentences. I struggle to read what they say. My room is light. It's a sickly hospital kind of light, and I do not know its source. Looking up to the ceiling reveals that the bulb is dim. Is it off? Yet the light hangs dead in the air nonetheless, almost like it's been painted on. This unsettles me, so I decide to switch the light on. At least this way the visuals of my surroundings will make constant sense. My light switch is typically situated by the entrance to my room, by the door, but as always in my current world, I can find it fixed on the wall right next to me instead. I do not even have to stand up. I do not question this change. I reach over and flick it. It clicks, but does nothing. I try again, then again, but the level of light in the room does not change. He's in the house. I am sweating. The real unease starts here. Perhaps if I could find him before he finds me, then this time will be different. Perhaps everything will be okay. I am standing, I realize. I do not remember getting up. I start making my way across my room. There are no creaks in the carpet beneath my feet. The door is silent as I gently pull it open. The corridor stretches out ahead of me. It's longer than it should be, but I cannot tell by how much. The light hangs low against the walls, like it tried to climb up from the floor but failed, getting stuck halfway. The pictures and portraits on the walls are familiar, but the people within them have disappeared. There is only me. And him. I make my way through the corridor. He could be in any of the rooms. My heart pounds. It hurts. I feel if I were to look down, I would be able to see a thorough warning in my chest. I push through the door to the bathroom. The water of the shower is running, but there is no one standing beneath it. I do not think to turn it off. I see myself in the mirror. I should not be able to, given my current angle, but the angles are all wrong anyways. I try not to look at myself directly in the face. I know that I will not like what it shows. He isn't in here. I return to the corridor. There is another door in the same wall, a little further on. I walk through the shade, shiverish with cold, but I do not shiver. The door leads me into a room I recognize, but fail to accept it as out of place. It's my parents' room, from when I was a kid. But they are not here. I walk into the center. My dark reflection is picked up on three carefully positioned mirrors, two small, one body length. I am careful not to look directly at any of them. Are you in here? I try to say. I know you're in here. I found you. But the words catch in my throat. They are forced out as little more than dry whispers. It's a bluff anyways. I search the room. The bed is made. The books on the shelves have blurred into each other. They are the same book anyway, I realize. One of them is in my hand. It's cursed. I understand, but I open it regardless. The pages take up my entire field of vision, but I still cannot read them, and they won't help me. He knows I can't read them. The book is smaller now, 
It fits into my pocket, and I stow it away. I don't want to be in this room anymore. The corridor beckons. I remember hearing from somewhere that whistling is supposed to help with fear. I purse my lips and try, but all I hear is the sound of my own raspy breathing. There are more doors, more rooms. They all stand cracked open. None of them are entirely closed. I push through them, one by one, but he isn't there. This is his fault, but he's not here. I hear footsteps along the corridor behind me. I swivel, or at least I try to. The turn instead is a slow one, as if the air is made of treckle, and by the time I am able to look, there is nothing there, only grim shadow. I look to the stairs. They descend down into darkness, but I'm going to take them. Down I go, step by step. There are more than there should be. I'm not even sure if these stairs are mine. But they carry me to the ground floor. The furniture is drawn on. I realize it's fake. I wouldn't be able to move any of it if I tried. It's all part of the same thing. It's his fault. The dining room is the most different, though I am not surprised by its change. I can see from the base of the stairs. The door is fixed open, and the floor gives way. Peering over the edge reveals a sudden drop down, down into the pitch black. The room has been filled with dark water, water that extends up above the frame of the doorway. The dark shapes drift about in the darkness. I could join them if I choose. He isn't in there. I turn back to the hallway. The architecture of my house prevents me from doing a complete loop from room to room to room, but that is what I do anyway. There are arches in the walls that allow me to pass. I cannot see out through the glass of any of the windows. I don't even think to look. I am not concerned by what is outside. He's watching me. I can feel tears streak down my face. It is always the same. It is always the same. The architecture of my house prevents me from doing a complete loop, from room to room to room, but that is what I do anyway. I pass through the arches. He's watching me through the walls. The rooms have all been painted in distinct colors. They are dull but distinct. I cannot decide on what these colors are, however. I can only recognize the difference in relation to each other. Something creaks and grinds in the shadows from across the house. It sets the hairs on my forearms on end, but I do not stop. I keep going. There are people in this room. I resist the urge to go and talk to them. They aren't alive. They are fixed like mannequins, mid-conversation in the corner. I pass by them. The second that I move into the next room, I know that they will be gone. If I were to go back and take a look, the room would be empty. The silence is a sharpened blade, held at the edge of my neck. It is cold. I return to the hallway. There is another set of stairs that lead down into the basement I do not have, but I pass them by. They would lead me deep beneath the earth, below layers of stone. I try the front door, but it is locked. 
The handle doesn't even move or shift as I try to pull it. The handle does not move. This door is not for me. This is where he ends it. I do not delay the inevitable. I suppress and sob and turn around to look down the corridor. It is long, like the corridor of a school hallway. He stands at the opposite end. Please, I try to say, but I cannot produce even a whisper this time. I bring my hands up in defense, but the movement is slow. He has begun to walk towards me. He does not walk like you and I. He walks as if he had never tried to walk before, as if he studied the movement from afar and is now putting it into practice. His legs stretch further than they need to as he moves. Like a puppet, he shambles silently down the corridor towards me. My hands are by my sides. I am forced to bring them up in defense for a second time. I bare my teeth. I snarl at the man, but he doesn't much care for my threats. They are empty. He knows they are empty. Closer now. His skin is the color of shadow. His eyes are white. He has pupils, but I only see them if I look for them. His teeth are painted on. Every face you see in a dream is a face you have seen in real life. Stay back, I want to say. I am not cold anymore. My entire body burns with fear and panic. Stay back! Closer, he creeps. He whispers my name, but the voice comes from behind my ear. His mouth does not move. He is in the house right now. Closer. One of his eyes begins to slip down his face. I can't move. There is nowhere to go. He is larger than his surroundings now. He is three feet away, two feet away, one foot, and still he approaches. I shrink back desperately, but still he draws closer. He is going to tear out my neck from the inside, or worse, I want to scream so badly, but I can't. I can't. I screw my eyes tightly shut as the heat overwhelms me. And this is where my dream ends. I always wake up drenched in sweat, heart pounding in my bed. Throat dead dry in the dark, but too afraid to reach out for the glass of water. I will suffer the discomfort. I curse the dream. I curse my imagination. My blood rushes loud in my ears, and every little noise across the house is amplified tenfold. But the welcome morning always comes. Always. Except, except this time is different. When I awaken, I am not in my bed. I am sitting slumped at my desk. I rub my eyes, terrified but relieved. I must have fallen asleep mid-work. I have been particularly tired lately. I allow myself a little chuckle as I stretch. My heart is pounding, but there is always a tremendous sense of relief when I am reminded that the dream is just that. A dream. I turn to look out the window. It's nighttime. I must have slept away the entire evening. There are no stars tonight. No moon. It seems that the street lamps aren't running either. 
a sense of cool unease begins to creep over me. I turn back into the room. My computer has entered into its screensaver mode. I shake the mouse and the blackness fades. I am able to see the screen. It shows me a forum with a twisted interface. The posts are in English, but they do not form complete sentences. I struggle to read what they say. I do not remember loading this site up. There is no minimize option in the upper right, so I hammer quickly but quietly at the computer key. In the fourth or fifth attempt, I am giving the navigation prompt and I hastily bring up Reddit in a desperate bid to find a website that is familiar to me. Did it always look like this? Did they change some settings? I glance into the room. The room is light. It is sickly hospital kind of light. I look up to the ceiling, and to my cold horror, I see the bulb is dark. The glass is dim behind the lampshade. It is not switched on, and there is no obvious source for the room's light. My breathing becomes shallower. No. No, please, please, no. Please. Please. I could turn my head. I could turn my head right now and look at the wall beside me. I could do it right now, at this very second. That would provide me my answer, surely. If the light switch has moved to the wall beside me, then I have my answer. But I can't. I can't bring myself to look. I can't bring myself to check to see if the switch has changed position. Because... What if it has? The light hangs dead in the air. He is in the house. My wife and I are both very sensitive to energies that most people around us are not. We've each had our share of far-out paranormal encounters separately, and since we've been together, it's been one hell of a ride that just seems to get more far out as time goes on. Backstory. While we were building our house, we were living in a large wall tent on our property. It was pretty large for a tent, almost 400 square feet, so you could easily walk around in it. It had our full-size bed on a bed frame in there, a kitchen area, and a table with several chairs. It even had a canvas drop cloth as a floor, so we weren't walking around in the dirt and I had the sides folded in and weighted down all the way around, as well as staked down to keep any critters out. Apart from a couple of flies and one or two spiders, it did the trick. At the time, I was doing freelance handyman and repair work during the day and building our house in the evenings. And on the day of this incident, I was finishing up work on a house that had bad juju written all over it. I could feel the negative energy from the curb the first time I pulled up to the house to meet the owner. And walking through the door, the feeling intensified. But it wasn't absolutely overwhelming. And what can I say, we really needed the money. I lost part of a thumb a week earlier in an accident working on the house. And had an upcoming surgery to get it stitched up. And to get the bone properly covered. And we didn't have insurance. Money was more than tight. Besides, I felt comfortable in my abilities to keep the negative energy at bay while I did whatever work had to be done and get the hell out of there. Anyway, 
I'm getting off topic. After a couple of weeks of working there, by the way, no one was living there at the time. The regular things that you would expect to happen in a high energy place happened. Lights flipping back on right after I turned them off. Door slamming shut behind me while I'm walking down the hallway or opening for me as I'm reaching for them. The kind of stuff that's pretty much just meant to get a rise out of you. And the more I played it cool, the more intense it got. Eventually, I get to the last day. When, over the phone, the owner hinted at stiffing me for the bill. And I was packing up all my gear. I guess it was evident that I wasn't planning on coming back because the activity in the house was extremely low, virtually non-existent, except for the same dense negative energy that was always there. But now more than ever, I felt like I was being watched. Not just watched, but stared at, like something was focusing on me with everything it had. Everything up until this point had been weird, but it was only your everyday kind of weird. The kind of weird that people who don't want to accept it can still somehow find logical excuses for. They'll say there was a draft or faulty wiring, really big mice in the walls, etc. The next thing that happened was the first thing in the house that genuinely spooked me. As I walked through the living room to the front door to leave for good, two bucket in hands, I passed the only hallway in the house on my right. As I looked down the hallway to double check that I had turned off all the lights, I saw something that I didn't want to believe. At the end of the hallway, about 20 to 30 feet away from me, sat a huge black dog. Its head was following me as I walked past the hallway. When I say huge, I mean massive, like my head would have fit inside of its mouth. My prior experience with manifestations like that have taught me to give it as little energy as possible and that you're better off acting like you hadn't noticed it. So, I continued to walk calmly to the front door, even though every hair on my body was standing on end and my adrenaline was racing. I stopped at the front door inside the house, turned around and addressed the house and everything within it, stating that as I left the house, nothing was welcome to follow me. I drove home and that was that. I didn't tell my wife because I didn't want to worry her. We had enough going on at the time without bringing up things that I felt had already been addressed. So fast forward to later that night. My wife and I are fast asleep in bed. I'm torn out of sleep by my wife's terrified gasp and being in a canvas tent in the middle of nowhere, I was already on edge. In the first split second of being awake, I see my wife sitting upright in our bed, still in the process of gasping, while our dog, who had been sleeping next to her, ran, barking and snarling like a lunatic, and jumped off the base of the bed, between us and the door. I still hadn't seen what was terrifying them, but leapt out of the bed while shouting at our dog, Bed. He's a little guy, and his job was to let me know about the boogeyman, not to fight it himself, and landed between the dog and the entrance to our tent. The entrance, which was not only still zipped up and buckled up tight, but staked to the ground in multiple places as well, as I did every night. As my feet hit the ground, I stood almost face to face with a massive black dog. It was sitting in front of the doorway, and as I landed and looked it in the eyes, I was filled with 
nothing short of absolute rage. I love my wife with all my heart, and here was something dangerous that wasn't welcome in our home, watching us sleep. Immediately, I stepped forward and shouted at it, deep and loud, Get out! As I did so, this thing stands up and steps toward me, and I shout again, this time clapping my hands together as hard and loud as I can, without stepping forward again. Again, this unbelievably massive dog, which is almost face to face with me height-wise, steps forward. At this point, we're maybe four feet away from each other. It hasn't ran off, and it's clear that this thing could easily kill us both if I let it. I lunge forward and come down as hard as I can with my right fist, aiming to kill it, aiming between the snout and right below the eyes. And just like that, ready to get torn to ribbons by this thing, I go right through it and it's just gone. I'm completely shocked and spin around to see if, somehow, it slipped past me to my wife and dog. Then I unzip the very bottom of the front of our home, rip the stakes from the earth, and run a few steps out into the night, looking every direction for the thing. The moon is out, and I've got excellent night vision, but I can't see any sign of it, and nothing is moving. I can't smell it, nothing. So, after a minute, I run back inside to make sure my wife is okay. She's still sitting straight up in bed, eyes wide open, but she's okay, and the dog is tense as hell. I finally felt my thumb screaming in pain and pouring blood at this point. The bone was still exposed waiting for surgery and the heavy bandage had gotten knocked off at some point. My heart rate is calming down and I asked her what she saw while I'm trying to stop the bleeding again with paper towels. Now, we're both extremely logical people despite all the weird shit we've seen. No matter how much paranormal stuff you've seen, you can't fall down the rabbit hole and it's still safe to assume that the vast majority of weird shit you experience can be explained logically, and that's the way we both view it. But when I asked her what she saw, and before telling her what I saw, she looked me dead in the eyes and said that it looked like a werewolf was sitting in our doorway watching us. I don't believe in werewolves, but I know for a fact that we both, individually, identified an unbelievably massive canine in our home. 10 feet from the foot of our bed, and we both saw it vanish in the thin air. I know our dog saw something that he identified as a threat. There were no tracks anywhere around our tent the next morning. I looked as soon as the sun came up. Even if there had been tracks, we live in the middle of nowhere in the desert. There aren't any wolves. There are occasionally stray dogs and coyotes, but everything is on the small side. The only description that has consistently came to my mind since then has been a hellhound, but I can't seem to find any similar stories online. Anyone with any thoughts, feel free to chime in, and I'll answer any questions I can. Normally, I am a really quiet person, but the pandemic hit me hard. It hit everyone hard. Like many people, 
I was found with a lot more time on my hands than anticipated. Sure, a lot of it was spent doing college work, but I soon found myself bored. I guess a few of my friends did as well, because after much persuasion, I found myself buying the latest horror game for VR. I knew spending money was really bad right now, but I was okay. I had a good savings built up, so when this game came up for the third time, I finally caved in and bought the game and headset. The headset was like your typical VR headset. It had straps and the standard goggles that went around your head. There were no extra controllers, which I found a little odd. One of my friends, who will call Riley, already had the headset game combo and said it was great. With much reluctance, we also convinced our other friend, who will call Cameron. He was very reluctant to get the game at first. It took a bit of bribing to get him to join, but he ended up buying it as well. The first day I played the game was on Halloween. I took the day off from school, silenced my phone, and set my living room for VR playing. I sent a quick message to our group chat to make sure the others were ready as well. While I waited for a response, I tied my hair back into a long braid and settled on the couch for some classic YouTube. Finally, both Riley and Cam confirmed that they were ready. Navigating to our group's chat voice channel, I set myself up with my headset, sliding it over my head and adjusting to fit. The sound of the others joining the call echoed through the headset speakers. The screen was currently black, as we all agreed that Riley would set it up since he had better internet. I was home due to the virus, and managed to have the night free from my family. Can you guys hear me? I asked tentatively, waiting for their replies. Yes, came Cam's first, followed shortly by Riley. Okay then, I'm ready. The black screen was getting disorienting, and I wanted to get into the game quickly. I heard Riley tap a few keys on his keyboard, and then the screen changed. We were greeted with a generic, simplistic loading screen. It displayed the game's author and company name briefly before the effects of the flickering lights turned it off. I hope you guys also turned off your lights, I muttered. It's really dark in here. Yeah, same here, Riley said. I have a nightlight on, but that's about it, Cam admitted, which made me laugh. Of course, you'd leave a light on, I teased. Come on, this game can't be that scary. The banter was interrupted by the main menu of the game. Riley quickly tapped a few more keys and created us a lobby, and our characters soon spawned in. We were outside in a truck, with Riley as the driver and myself in the passenger seat. Cam was in the back, peering through the windows. We're in front of the house, he observed. How do you move again? Uh, you kinda just do, Riley said. It's subconscious, really. It's really quite cool, don't you think? Kinda weird, I admitted, testing it out by moving my arm in-game. I felt completely submerged in the game. I knew I was standing in my living room, in front of my computer, but it was as if I wasn't subconsciously aware of my environment outside the game. It was very disorienting, but I didn't say anything because I didn't want to chicken out. Earth to Eve, Cam was waving a hand in front of my face. Are you coming or what? The passenger side of the truck was opened, and Riley was already outside holding two flashlights. Sorry, just tired. I lied, 
carefully exiting the vehicle. Riley handed me the flashlight, which I turned off and on. Then, I turned around and looked at the house before us. This map for the game had a farmhouse standing directly in front of us, off a narrow road that was blocked off by some fences. The log cabin was two stories, and had a few windows lining the front. The three of us hesitated on the front porch, peering into one of the windows. Well, I'm not going first, Cam admitted. No way. Scaredy cat, I muttered, stepping in front opening the door. The first thing that I noticed was the sound. It was like stepping into a different world, fully submerging myself into the deep end of this game. I lost all connection with reality and my focus was the house in front of me. Directly in front of me was the living room. It was small, with a fireplace on the wall to the right with a big glass window centered in front. Two flowery faded curtains lined the window. The living room looked like my grandma decorated it. A worn looking couch surrounded by two wooden tables. In front of the window was a rocking chair, exactly the kind of creepy chair you didn't want to find in any haunted house. Next to us in the door was a small foyer, with a staircase leading up to the upper floor. Next to the living room was another small hallway that led off somewhere to the right. After taking in the small house, I entered cautiously. My hand brushed a light switch, which made me flinch. Recovering quickly before either of my friends noticed, I flicked the switch and the light flooded the small foyer. Let there be light! I exclaimed dramatically, flourishing my hands as if doing some kind of magic trick. Riley rolled his eyes, while Cam just laughed at my corny joke. The game was simple. We had to investigate the house, find paranormal evidence, and then we could leave. Any ghosts that were inside had a chance of killing us after a period, but that was fine. It was just VR. We would be able to view our friend's perspective if we died. It was just a creepy game that we could turn off at any point if we got too scared, right? I ventured forward towards the living room. In this game, each of us was equipped randomly with ghost hunting equipment. I had a camera, Cam carried an EMF reader, and Riley had a spirit box to communicate with any ghosts inside. I'll go upstairs, Riley volunteered, slowly creeping up the stairs. The distinctive old house creaks filled the silence as he advanced. Cam opened the door to the left and peered inside. Oh, it's a kitchen. Do you think there's food? How can you eat food in VR? I asked. Well, you could try. And with that, I was left alone as he disappeared in search of virtual food. The house had been abandoned for some time. According to the game's description, the owners had just up and left. In the living room, a few magazines were scattered on the coffee table, and a blanket was thrown haphazardly on the couch. Suddenly, the light in the foyer flicked off. I let out a startled shout against my will as I was once more plunged into darkness. Cam poked his head out of the kitchen, and I turned to face him. What happened? The lights went out. I went forwards towards the lamp, pulling the string. I think the power's out. We were each equipped with walkie-talkies in order to communicate better. 
I unclipped it from my belt and held the button. Riley? The power's out. Do you know where the switch is? Nope. It's pitch black up here, even with the flashlight. I wonder if the ghost is up here. Came his tiny response in the small radio. Probably, I mused. I mean, that's typical for horror games, right? Cam had exited the kitchen, and I followed him to the stairs. I shined my flashlight up the stairs, peering upwards to the landing. It was as if the light was sucked up by the infinite darkness, and I shuddered a little. It's really dark up there, Cam said in the walkie, echoing my thoughts. I led the way up the stairs, with Cam shortly behind me, and we ascended upwards. The darkness poured around us, as if the shadows themselves were a pool, and we were entering it deeper. Our flashlight beams went left and right, until they fell across Riley's form, who was posed at a closed door. Guys, he whispered as we approached, there's something in there. Listening quietly, I could hear it. There was a quiet sobbing coming from within the room. Well, that'll do it. There's definitely something in there, I whispered. Hoisting up my video camera from around my neck, I pressed a button and it weird to life. Then, I slowly nudged the door open with my foot. The crying immediately stopped, and I immediately noticed something was wrong. Because I could smell it, the god-awful scent of an old musty room mixed with the smell of rotten meat hit me like a punch to the face. I backed up, bumping into Riley as I retreated from the room. What the hell is that? I shouted as I stumbled backwards. How is that even possible? Somewhere in the distance, I heard a door slam shut, but my brain was too preoccupied with the smell to understand what was happening. Neither replied, as we're both gagging, retreating further down the hall until they left me alone in front of the door. I slammed it shut, following them towards the stairs. The three of us, holding our noses and coughing from the horrific smell, raced towards the front door. Cam, who was in the lead of the mad dash to escape, suddenly stopped, causing Riley and I to run into him. I can't open the door, he cried pulling frantically on the now-closed door. Well, let's just take off the headsets, Riley suggested. As if on cue, the three of us reached up to take off our headsets. I could feel my fingers close around the straps, pulled them over my head, temporarily disoriented by the darkness in my living room. But instead of being in front of my computer, I was back in the truck, Riley next to me, with Cam in the back. I grew up in a small town in my country. I lived with my parents, big brother, and our maid. By the time I was around seven, my brother was 12. At night, I usually shared the bed with a maid. It might sound weird, but the maid had been there since I was a baby, so my parents trusted her and decided to let her move in with us since her home was too far away from our house to come and go every day. 
My brother had his own bedroom, but this particular night, he slept in my parents' bedroom since he and my dad went to sleep late watching movies and television in their bedroom. I wasn't a fan of the movies, so I went to sleep early. Late that night on that day, everyone was fast asleep, I guess. Something unusual woke me up. A slow tickle terrorized my feet from the edge of the bed. I tried to ignore it, but the tickling just kept increasing, and it wasn't funny. It was weird and scary. I lost it and sat up, only to have the worst reality nightmare ever. A black figure stood in the doorway facing me, but I couldn't see the face or anything, except for the fact that I could see a black silhouette. I couldn't scream, neither could I cry. I only laid back on my pillow and tried to force myself to sleep. Like I said, I slept with a maid, and at that moment she was fast asleep. For some unknown reason, I couldn't wake her up. I guess I never tried to. I never dared to look again, and after some minutes, the tickling began, and I couldn't take it anymore. I raised my feet up closer to my stomach and woke her up, and asked her if she could take me to my parents' room. For some reason, I wasn't willing to tell her about the figure standing motionless by the open doorway. After a few seconds of struggling, I finally succeeded in waking her up. I quietly whispered and asked her to take me to my parents' room. She scolded me a bit for disturbing her sleep, but I didn't care at all. I just wanted to leave. Now my focus was fixed on the figure who never seemed to move. It just stood there. That was super scary. My maid picked me up and walked towards the door. I don't think she could see the person. My heart was pounding hard. I was so scared of coming closer to this horrific being. When we got closer, I tried to get a closer look at this figure. Albeit I was scared, but I just wanted to know. I don't know. I mean, I was only seven. As close as we were, I never saw the figure's face. Was it because the lights were off? I don't know, but it gave me goosebumps not being able to see this figure. We walked down the hallway and I looked, but no one was following us. I wondered what the figure did afterwards. A sigh of relief escaped my mouth as we entered my parents' room. My brother was fast asleep on the carpet, and my parents are on the bed. We woke them up and I explained the whole story to them, but they didn't believe me. They just prayed with me and let me sleep with them in the bed, and then the maid went back to the room. I tried to convince her to stay, telling her that the figure would tickle my feet, but she never listened. The next day, I told my brother... And he just laughed at it and announced that he was pulling a prank on me. But deep down, both of us knew it wasn't him. Though it only happened that night, it still scares me. Two days ago, I discussed it with my grandmother and she seemed to care. She told me that if the maid couldn't see it, it only means that the figure was a demon or a witch. That made me even more scared. The image of that figure that night will always haunt me. Okay, let me start by saying that this is the first of many stories I'll submit here. I've been listening to scary stories on YouTube for about 7 years now. I've always wanted to submit a story, but I'm a busy mother of 4 and just never found the time to. But it's midnight right now, and I'm the only one awake. I have some free time now, so I have a story I would like to share. All my life, I have seemingly attracted the paranormal. When I was a teenager, things started to escalate. 
At one point, my mother took me to see a therapist because she believed that I was either crazy or desperately seeking attention. But the truth was, I meant every word of everything I said. I have always been the sort of person that will try to find a logical explanation for things. Sometimes there's simply no logic to explain. It is what it is. Anyway, moving along. I am a 37-year-old female and I live in a very small town in Kansas. A few winters ago, I was working in town about two hours away from home. I would stay with my friends in the city as I worked for three or four days at a time and then I would go home for the same amount of time. Back and forth, back and forth. It was dreadful, but I digress. One night, I got home very late. I have two daughters that are nine years apart. The three of us stayed up to do our nails. I told my youngest that since they were on Christmas vacation from school, I would let her stay up late to see the snowfall. It was supposed to start snowing around 2 a.m. And it did. More or less right on time. When I was a child, it snowed every year in December, but as the years have gone by, it seems to happen less and less. Since she was only six years old, she had seen very little snowfall in her time. I let her stay up until about 2.15, and then I said, Okay, kiddo, it's way past the bedtime for babies, and I put her in bed. My oldest daughter and I stayed up and finished doing our acrylic nails. When we were popping our old nails off, we had to use a steak knife. Yes, I know. That wasn't a very good idea. We were sitting there in the living room. The living room was the first room you would enter if you were coming from the front porch. From the outside looking in, there was a glass door and then a big heavy wooden door. Suddenly, around 2.30, the wooden door flew open with a bang. I immediately jumped up to my feet and grabbed the knife in front of me. I walked towards the door and then I felt confused. I couldn't figure out what happened because the glass door was still shut. But as I already said, I've experienced more than my fair share of paranormal activity throughout my life and sometimes I can't find an explanation. I just let it go and carry on. Around 3am I decided to step out to the front porch and have a cigarette. I was just looking out over the road and the yards taking in the dead silence of winter. I wasn't really thinking about anything, just looking at the snow. And that's when it dawned on me that what I was looking at didn't make any sense. From my front walk to the road, there's about five yards of grass. Every bit of snow is pristine, every bit of it, except one thing. The footprints begin in the middle of the sidewalk, bare feet footprints. They walked to my front door, but I'm not sure how they left. How was that? There are no footprints leading to my yard. It was as if someone was dropped from the sky or stepped out of another realm into mine, right in the middle of my yard. I mean, those footprints came out of nowhere. They began in the middle of my damn yard and walked to my door. And even if it was just a person walking around there, what were they doing barefoot in 16 degree weather outside in the snow and 3 a.m. no less? What the bloody hell? I snapped some pictures on my phone, but I had a pretty cracked phone back then. And honestly, I'm not even sure what happened to those pictures. However, my mother had just given me her old iPhone a few months ago. I was scrolling through all the pictures on that phone this morning. I saw the picture that my mother had taken was still on the phone. The morning after that incident, I had called my mother and had my mother come over to take a look at them. 
The unfortunate part of this, my pictures at 3am were more convincing. By the time she got there, a few hours had passed. The cat walked past and left their prints. My mom's footprints were there as well. I absolutely insist that every bit of this is true. In the picture, you can see the snow behind the prints where it's just blank. They start right there. And as you can see, some of them are facing different directions, but they are barefoot and strange. Some of them really look human, and some of them look too wide at the front of the foot to be human. I have no idea what to make of this, 